Love getting to worship with you guys. It's so good to be in worship. And uh, if you haven't been with us over the last couple of Sundays, uh, we have just begun one of our new uh, summer series, worship series called Pass It On, Living in the Spirit. And so that's what we've been talking about. And that's what we're going to continue to talk about is what is the Holy Spirit, right? And we kicked off by celebrating uh, Pentecost, what is known as Pentecost. It's this event, it's this celebration of when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the, the disciples who were devoted to prayer and to worship. And this is after Jesus has gone to be with the Heavenly Father. And we commonly know Pentecost and celebrate Pentecost as the birth of the church. There was a point when the church didn't exist. Um, and so this was the, the catalyst for when the church movement, God's movement, began. And it was an exciting thing. And so what we're going to be doing throughout this series is that we're going to continue to learn more about the power, more about the purpose, and more about our relationship to the Holy Spirit and really how that helps our and shapes our relationship, our walk with Jesus, right? We have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and it influences us and shapes us as followers, as disciples of Jesus Christ. And so last week we, we spent a lot of time making this connection, right, between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And we learned that really we can't have one without the other. We learned that Jesus really is this embodiment of God's redeeming power, right? There, there was a need for us to, to be redeemed back into God's presence. There was a separation. Jesus came to save us from that separation. And so through that embodiment of God's love and through that embodiment of God's redeeming power, we now are, are able to be in relationship with God. And then we learn that because of this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this is yet another gift that God gives God's people in order to, to live into that new life with Christ. And so we see that the Spirit is an embodiment of God's sustaining power in our lives. This is kind of the ways that we talk about who God is and our relationship to God. And so we learn that that this idea of, of what God does through the Holy Spirit is that all of these things work together. And it's really this continuation of God's movement to be in relationship with each and every one of us, right? This is God's movement. And we see that, that's, that this is true when we look at the Bible, right? All together, what story is the Bible trying to tell us today? And it's, it's the story of primarily God. God's relationship with humanity over time. And as a result, when we, when we learn like that, that this is what is unfolding in our relationship with God, we learned last week God's movement has always been closer to creation. God's movement has always been closer to creation. So when we think about God's redeeming power embodied through Jesus Christ, this is huge, this is radical. Because what we celebrate with, with Jesus' birth, what we celebrate about Christmas, is that God is no longer out there, but that God has, has been born among us. God is with us, right? We talked about the word Emmanuel. But this is God becoming like one of us, entering into human history and experience in order to dwell among us. It's this radical event. And then there's a shift, right? The, the story continues to unfold. And we learn that as a result of God's redeeming work through Jesus, 
that we have been restored back to God. And now God is, is no longer out there. God is no longer just dwelling among us. It, it shifts into something even more radical where now God dwells within us. You see that, that trend, that shift, that movement as God seeks to be closer to God's creation. And so this is this radical sense of, of who God is and what God do, desires to do with us and for us. And so God has been birthed among us through Jesus, but then God is also birthed in us through the Holy Spirit. And that's why we celebrate the birth of the church. That's why we celebrate Pentecost. And that's why we celebrate this season of Pentecost as we want to live into the Holy Spirit. And so once we realize that there is this connection, that they are related to one another, right? I think we can tend to emphasize like Jesus and like we're all on board with Jesus, but then there's like this weird Holy Spirit thing going on and I'm not sure what to do with that. So we're trying to help make some of those connections and, and help give you room and space to begin to explore what that looks like and how it shapes you as a follower of Jesus. And so once we realize that there, A, is a connection, then we realize what the church is and also who the church is made up of, but also what the purpose of the church is. As we more fully understand our role as followers of Jesus, and we, we came up with this idea last week that really church, in a nutshell, boiled down is this. It's devoted disciples of Jesus that are living into the power of the Holy Spirit to move people closer to God. And it's really this radical opportunity, right? We get to be co-laborers. We get to be co-workers with God. God gives us the power of the Holy Spirit and uses us, uses each and every one of you to continue God's movement, to pass on, to, to spread the love of God throughout the whole world. That's what our relationship with God looks like. And that's what we learned as, a, as an introduction and as a base for the foundation which we're going to build over the next couple of weeks, that to be a follower of Jesus, it means receiving the Holy Spirit and living in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do all of this on our own, right? We, we need God's help to do what only God can do, amen? And so that's what we're talking about. And so now that we know that, okay, maybe there's something to this living in the Spirit, maybe there's something, there, there's an understanding of how important it is, how vital and actually how necessary uh, it is to be living in the power of the Spirit as a follower of Jesus. And so what we were going to kind of spend the rest of the series talking about is what exactly is this power that we've been given used for? What does it do? And so we're going to be unpacking really three major things that the Holy Spirit does as we seek to abide and live into the power of the Holy Spirit. And what it does is one, it frees us. Two, it unites us, it unifies us, and it also strengthens us. And so this morning, what we're going to be spending most of our time talking about is freedom in the Spirit. And we're going to be looking to a letter that Paul writes to the Romans uh, in chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Uh, I added some more verses um, than what is listed currently uh, on the backs of your bulletins. But if you want to turn to uh, 
to Romans, it, it precedes Acts. So it's the, the sixth book in the New Testament. You have your four Gospels, you have Acts, and then you have the book of Romans or the letter to the Romans. And just after it is the, letter, the first letter to the Corinthian church. And so if you have your physical Bibles with you or if you're using your apps, you can follow along. And maybe you have different translations. We typically use the Common English Bible translation. And if you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles that we want to give away uh, to you because we really care about helping you uh, begin to, to open up the Bible, begin to interface with it, begin to understand it, and begin to live it out. So we're going to be unpacking freedom in the Spirit, and we're looking at this letter that Paul writes to the Roman church, and we're going to read this together. And so this is what the letter says. It says, so now there isn't any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free. The spirit has set you free from the law of sin and death. God has done what was impossible for the law since it was weak because of selfishness. God condemns sin in the body by sending his own son to deal with sin in the same body as humans who are controlled by sin. He did this so that righteousness, the righteous requirement of the law might be, be, might be fulfilled in us. Now the way we live is based on the Spirit, not based on selfishness. Peoples whose lives are based on selfishness think about selfish things. But people whose lives are based on the Spirit think about the things that are related to the Spirit. The attitude that comes from selfishness leads to death, but the attitude that comes from the Spirit leads to life and it leads to peace. So the attitude that comes from selfishness is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law because it can't. People who are self-centered aren't able to please God, but you aren't self-centered. Instead, you are in the Spirit, if in fact God's Spirit lives in you. And if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Him. If Christ is in you, the spirit is your life because of God's righteousness, but the body is dead because of sin. The spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your human bodies also through his spirit that lives in you. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So in our passage the Apostle Paul, he's trying to help the Christians in Rome learn about the freedom that they have in Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot going on in this passage. Uh, he, it's a much longer letter, and we're reading just a small portion of that letter, and, and Paul likes to talk a lot. <laughs> and so it, it can be hard to kind of track what he's saying in, in such a short passage. And so what I'm going to do is, is try to sum up some ideas that, that Paul is trying to communicate. I don't have time to go into all the little details. They're, they all are important. But really, Paul is just fixated. He's fixated on this new movement of the church, which means he's fixated on his disciples, their well-being, and the way that they are able to commit their lives into living into the promise of new life with Christ and in the promise of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what Paul tends to emphasize is that there is an old life and that there is a new life. And so if you were here with us in our last series, we talked a lot about 
that language, right? This old life and a new life. And what Paul stresses is that in our old life, it's marked by sin, right? It's, and sin is, is really our tendency to rebel against God. And, and that's what Paul is kind of getting at in verse 7. He said, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law because it can't, right? This is what he's kind of getting at in this passage. And so what happens is that when we rebel, when we resist we begin to move apart. We begin to move away from God. And what ends up happening is that God, who is love, is, is so concerned about the well-being of other people. When we move apart from that understanding, from that source, what happens is that we really become more absorbed in ourselves. We become self-absorbed. We become self-centered, and that's why Paul is using this language. And the, the, the reality is, whether we want to admit it or not, a lot of the time, we are always trying to put ourselves in first place. And, and a lot of what we learn through our relationship with God is that God is the one that's supposed to be in, quote-unquote, first place in our lives, to be the primary focus, the primary ends of our life and existence together. Right, And so when we, when we trade spots with God, when we don't have the power that God does to, to love unconditionally, inevitably we, we succumb to this power of, of being self-centered. We put our place in the place of God, and, and if we're continuing to be honest, we'll pretty much do anything to keep ourselves there, right? We want to be thought of first, and we'll do any means that it takes to do that, right? Maybe embrace some destructive behaviors, uh, either towards other people or towards ourselves. And so what happens here, what, what Paul is trying to help us understand is that what happens is that our life, as it grows apart from God, eventually it dwindles, right? And it ends in death. So when we understand that God is the author of life, God is the sustainer of life, and so without God, we cannot live. We cannot live abundantly. We cannot live eternally. Life isn't found by isolating yourself, by trying to be at the top. That's not what we were created to be, right? We were created to be in relationship to God who is meant to be at the center of our lives, and that God would sustain us in that understanding. We're told that instead of trying to isolate ourselves by being at the top, we're told to live into this idea, this concept called the kingdom of God, right? And at the kingdom of God, God is at the center of everything, and it means that we're in community with other people whom you regard, whom you love as much as God loves them. You see that relationship playing out about how these two powers are at odds with each other. And, and then Paul, we see, he uses this word or this language of, of condemnation, right? It's kind of a strong word, and maybe we don't like to hear that word. Uh, maybe we've had really bad experiences with that word in church, right? But this is what just the definition of condemnation is. It's the action of senten sentencing someone to a punishment. So what Paul is trying to say is that the old life, because of what it is, because of what it involves, and because of its destructive tendencies, 
It, it condemns us. It sentences us to death. It, it moves us away from God. And so when we live a life that's, that's marked by selfishness, when it's marked by bitterness or, or meanness or fear or anxiety, when it's marked by sin, it destroys us. It separates us from God and it separates us from each other. It breaks down those relationships. It deteriorates them and destroys them. And so when we live that kind of life, when we're ruled by that kind of power in our lives, it can only end in one way. But what Paul is saying here, he's saying, hey, there, there actually is another way. It didn't look like we would ever be able to, to overcome the power of sin and death. But there is freedom. There is freedom in Jesus Christ. And it means we get to experience a new life, a different life that's marked by love. It's marked by healing. It's marked by restoration and peace. And so that's what he's saying. He's like, there is no condemnation anymore. There's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ that are abiding in this new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's good news, right? That's the hope of the gospel is that we're not going to succumb to this power that ends in one way, but that we've been restored and redeemed so that we can live eternally with God today and into the rest of eternity. There's a different way to live in the world today that draws us closer to God and helps draw us closer to each other rather than pulling us apart. And so Paul really is trying to get at the heart. He, he's exposing these tendencies that we all have. Each and every one of us have. There are really two forces at war within our hearts or within our minds, right? Some of us know or are familiar with the, the imagery of, you know, the angel on one shoulder and, and the devil on the, on the other, right? There are these voices that are, that are attempting to influence the decisions that we make, that, that rule and motivate our lives. And so we struggle with those things. We struggle with the things that either bring us ultimately to death or things that will bring us ultimately to life. And this is Paul's emphasis here. He, he wants us to know that because you belong to Christ, you belong to life. Because you belong to Christ, you belong to life which means that you're free from death. There is no condemnation anymore from being in that kind of life. The power that led us one way has, be, has been overcome with the power of another way. And so we're told that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it raises us also. Paul talks about that in verse 11. And we're told it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so God's power through the Holy Spirit, what it does is it helps us continue to, to live into a life of redemption. It continues the work of redemption and, and resurrection in our lives, right? The, the work hasn't been complete. It's just be beginning, excuse me. So we have freedom in Jesus. And then that freedom is further sustained by the Holy Spirit. Just trying to emphasize that relationship and how this works together and what Paul is trying to get at as he encourages the church in Rome. And what we understand is that ultimately we have been freed from one power, the power of sin and death, and we are now free to submit to another power. 
the one of life, the one of love. And we get to choose which we're going to live by. Each and every day, moment by moment, which power are we going to submit to? And so that in there lies the struggle. And that's where God continues to offer us grace. That's why God continues to offer us forgiveness. Because there's no condemnation in Christ. We're we're moving on a different path and a different trajectory, growing closer to God and learning how to grow closer to each other. But those two things are even connected, right? Loving God means loving neighbor. And when we love neighbor, we're loving our God. We cannot separate those things. But we have to understand that these forces, these powers are at work in our hearts and in our mind, and they drive our every behavior. And, and for some of us, we might not want to admit that. We might want to say, no, I, I'm in control of all of these things in my life. But we, we are emotional beings, and, and all of these things are working together to drive our behavior. And it's not to say these are bad things. God gave us feelings for a reason. But it's to say, how do we live out of those things? How do we live out of those things? And are we willing to admit that maybe in some instances of our life, maybe more than we'd like to admit, though that power is what's driving our behavior. And so I want you to think about your anxiety. I want, to think, I want you to think about worry. I want, to think about, want you to think about your capacity to condemn others, to put others down. I want you to think about bitterness or apathy, right? That's a strong power in a lot of our lives. What about hardened hearts or cold-heartedness, right? It's these things that we hold on to. It's this power that drives our behavior each and every day. And what happens is that freedom in Christ means that you are no longer defined by those things anymore. It had power, and now it doesn't, right? And sometimes we, we, when we talk about this, this concept or this paradigm, we, we talk about truth and lies, right? We believed that this was the only way that we could exist, that we could only succumb to this power, and that is a lie, because God has given us a new way and a new life. That's the truth. But when we're living into that day to day, we wrestle against that old life because that's, that's all we've known. And we're growing in our understanding and our practice and our living into the embodiment of this new life, right? Replacing that lie for God's truth. And so what that means is that you're no longer defined by those things. You're free from that power that would otherwise run your life. And so this is the gift that God gives us. The Holy Spirit's power frees and sustains you in accepting your new identity in Christ. That's what it does. It frees you to even say, you know what, I I want to pursue this. And it also sustains you in making that choice over and over and over again, each and every day, thought by thought, action by action, word by word, if we're willing. It can seem overwhelming, but God is so good and God is so gracious. 
Because the power of the Holy Spirit, what it does is it ends up wiping away that power of anxiety that you have. It ends up wiping away that power of worry or the power of selfishness or the power of bitterness, apathy, all of these things. That's what we want to help each and every one of you imagine. You know, it's this whole new reality that God is, is working and growing us into. It's this idea, the image of the kingdom of God about what's possible when we center our lives around God. Can you imagine it? Can you believe it, right? A life where you are no longer ruled or defined or run by those things. The power of living in the Spirit, it gives us the ability to be free from those things. So I want, I want that to be a hopeful message for you that there is a different story that you can be living into, that, that God invites you to be a part of. God is the God of freedom. Freedom for us to choose this abundant life or to abandon it. That, that's our choice. God isn't going to force us into a relationship with God. And when it seems like there's no other way, when it seems like the power is too great, that no other reality can, can, can exist, God breathes hope. God comes in as maybe a faint light in the darkness of our lives. And it helps us cling to the fact that when we thought there was no way, God has made a way. So God gives us truth in the midst of those lies that we want to believe about ourselves. When God says, you're no longer condemned through Christ Jesus. You've been freed from all of those things. I want you to live life abundantly. Live it with me. Live it with your neighbors. You're no longer defined by that old life. You're now defined by the new life that I have given to you. It was the life that you were always meant to have. Embrace it, live into it, receive the power of my Holy Spirit to help you walk on that path. God gives us the light in the dark places of our hearts, in the dark places of our minds, and that there is a different reality that, that's possible only through the power, only through the life, only through the freedom that God can give. God is the author of life. God gives us life, and God gives us the freedom by sustaining us and helping us want to make that choice to, to be sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the big idea for our message this morning is that living in the Spirit, what it does is it frees us to follow God more closely, and it also helps us to live life more abundantly. So I want to ask you, Church, this morning, what are you being motivated by? What currently is ruling your life that you know shouldn't be ruling your life? What's driving your unhealthy behaviors? The ones that, that hurt yourself or hurt other people? The ones that lead you on this path that does not end well? But the God says, give that over to me. 
I will free you from it. And you will live with me for eternity. That's the promise that God gives us. Paul says that if, if we are living in the Spirit, that's all we should be motivated by. We should be motivated, motivated only by those things that come from the Spirit. We should desire for our lives to only be ruled by what God can give us through the Holy Spirit, which is the power to be free. It's the freedom to live as children of God, not as anything else that would otherwise define us, but as first and foremost as children, as brothers and sisters and siblings in Christ, that we would be in relationship with God, that we'd be in a loving relationship with each other. And when we do those two things, something happens. Something changes into the status quo of, of what everyone else seems to think that the world is about, what our lives are, are meant to be. Together, we end up building the kingdom of God. We change reality itself. And in the, in the scriptures, it talks about bearing fruit. It's this evidence that, that the people of God are living in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it, and it describes it. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This comes from the book of Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. It's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, and it's also self-control. It's a lot of things, but, but think about how the world is very much unlike those list of words that we've just described. That's the hope that we get to be a part of. That's the movement that we get to be a part of as followers, as co-laborers with God, as followers of Jesus. This is what we get to spread. This is what we get to pass on. We're going to reiterate this, this passage as, as part of each sermon throughout this series. And it's a good word. It's Paul writing a letter to a younger disciple named Timothy. So when we understand all of these things, and we want to live them out more faithfully as best as we know how with God's help. Remember these words. I'm reminding you, Paul saying this to Timothy and saying it to us. I'm reminding you to revive God's gift that is in you through the power and through the laying on of my hands. God didn't give us a, a, a spirit that is timid. God gives us one that is powerful, one that is loving, and one that is self-controlled. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we confess that we struggle in the day-to-day, moment-by-moment, God. Maybe even discerning in the depths of our heart, in the depths of our mind, which life we are living into. God, we confess that the old life seems far too real. It seems like it's the only existence that we can have. But God, that's a lie. Instead, your, your truth, your word 
says that we are created for something far more abundant, far more fulfilling, God, far more freeing than what we could ever know now. And, and God, I just pray for those of us that, that are questioning, God, that have doubts, that that's okay. God, that you're bigger than those things. But God, allow those doubts and maybe even those fears. God, allow those things to become secondary to the knowledge and experience of your love and the power of your Holy Spirit. So God, we wanna open ourselves to you. Again, Lord, as best as I know how, only by your grace, God, do you invite us deeper. And so God, we wanna receive your spirit And God, we need your help to live in that spirit. God, we want to be reminded of those things that have power and influence in our lives. God, that that lead to destruction. It harms and it hurts either ourselves or other people. God, we are no longer condemned by those things. And God, we are no longer ruled or defined by those things. God, we are defined by your son, Jesus. We're just defined as brothers and sisters and siblings in Christ. And so God, if there is anything else in our lives, God, that your spirit would point those things out to us gently. God, not to condemn, but to reveal that there are places where your light still needs to shine, still needs to overcome those dark places in our hearts and our minds. So God, may we never be ruled any longer by those things that are not of you. And instead, God, let us embrace a life, God, where we are fully known, we are fully loved. And God, give us the capacity as we continue in worship this morning God, to be aware that you would speak clearly, your spirit would speak clearly into our hearts, into our minds, God, of those places. God, and you would allow us to to write them down, to name them. And God, that they would be lifted up as our prayer together. God, we thank you. We, We pray this in the strong name of your son, Jesus, and in the the power and the freedom of your Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. During this time, as we continue to worship together, if there's something that God is speaking or God is putting on your heart through the Holy Spirit, even if you're unsure, write it down, put it on your connection card, make a prayer of it. Let us join you in prayer. If you have questions, I would love to to be a listening ear to help you and to, to walk alongside you in this journey of living in the power of the Holy Spirit. As we move into our responsive prayer time, we are gonna have a a prayer with a song response like we did last week um, to help solidify these thoughts in our hearts and and to sing this phrase over and over again as we proclaim these things. So would you stand with us? um, And if you feel so led, you can put out your arms like this, like you're receiving a gift, that you're open to whatever God has for you as we do this. So our response this morning will be from the song that we have been learning, um, and it sounds like this. Stir a passion in my heart, God, let 
gracious, loving, faithful God. Thank you for sending your spirit to live within us. Stir a passion in our hearts to grow closer to you. Stir a passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Help us embrace the freedom we have in your spirit. Help us see areas in our lives that we need to give to you. Stir a passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Help us remember that you did not give us a spirit that is timid, but one that is powerful, loving, and free from the power of sin and death. Stir a passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Revive the gift of your spirit within us. Fan it into flame so that we can follow you more closely and share your light with the world. Stir a passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Sing that one more time. Stir a passion in my heart. 